If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. It's time for a new completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, July 1st, 2015, alongside the sickly-looking Ian Ferguson. <laughs> Hello. I'm Pat Contry. Coming up on the show today, we'll be discussing Sony launching an internal crowdfunding service. Arkham Knight, the PC version, pulled from Steam amidst a lot of bugs. Um, the Super Mario World blindfolded speed run, speed run, which is pretty amazing. The Shovel Knight physical release announced. Uh, a Civil War game removed from the Apple Store because of the use of the Confederate flag. We'll talk a little bit of movies. Uh, 19-year-old Tom Holland casts as Spider-Man, uh, as well as the return of the Amazing Spider-Man comic coming in later in the fall. The Terminator Genesis director saying that commercials give away too much. And your Q&A. First, our proud sponsor of the CU Podcast is Loot Crate. So Loot Crate is your monthly geek sort of subscription service. They give you trinkets. They give you lots of cool little uh, geek and game and movie-themed gifts. They also give you a T-shirt. The shirts seem to be um, pretty exceptional all around, I would say. Oh, yeah. The designs are pretty I, awesome. I just got the, uh, the the June one. I just shot my, my video with Frank uh, and the Frank Crate, and uh, it was a Tron theme, just like holding it in the air, but Optimus Prime, and it says there's Prime on it. It said a Tron with the same firing. Absolutely gorgeous shirt. If there's, gorgeous any, shirt. if there's any evidence that people enjoy the shirts that come in there, uh, it's the fact that, that, well, when we were at the recent Too Many Games convention, I mean, I saw a number of Loot Crate shirts at the convention. I mean, people really dig that. Cheap plug. My, my latest Pappy NES Punk video, uh, Wall Street Kid, I'm wearing the Power Rangers shirt from the last a month before, from the, uh, the May Unite uh, crate. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, this month you also had... Um, you you had a, a Battlestar Galactica uh, Nerf dart gun target a couple of them, like posters of a Cylon. Um, you even had a, a Terminator because Terminator's everywhere. You had a mini replica skull, and, and then you had the mini uh, chip from the head. Like a, it's like a heavy, it's like made of metal, uh, heavy yeah. uh, keychain. So yeah, check it out, uh, Loot Crate. Um, I I think it's I think it's a cool deal, if not for the T-shirt alone. So if you want to subscribe and show your support for the podcast, go to LootCrate.com slash CU podcast and use promo code Frank and that'll save you uh, $2 per month for your subscription. I think you can subscribe for one month, a few months, six or a year and the more you, more months you subscribe, the cheaper it is overall. Correct. Um, so that, that's a loot crate for you. We'll see what happens next month. Um, so uh, we got back from too many games this past weekend. What a rip-roaring adventure that was in Oaks, Pennsylvania. It ranged like almost two days straight. I saw my family at that Thursday. I got to hang out with my pal AJ, who, if, if you've seen some of my videos, like the like the Vegas one, AJ was in that. And um, what a fun guy! Did you, don't you like AJ? I do. <laughs> AJ's great. Um, and then we had the convention. We we did the live podcast. So this is actually our second podcast this week for the first time. Many doing. people were upset with the sound quality. Many people that that, that it was an echo. <laughs> We could actually, looking back, I probably could record it off the microphone on my MacBook, but we didn't know. We didn't figure it out. We had five minutes to set up. That was fun. If, so if you missed that podcast, it went up. Um, it went up Monday. 
on uh, iTunes a few days ago, and we talked about the biggest issue or biggest topic was GameStop releasing retro games finally online for purchase and the prices, and then we did a Q&A. We spoke about a few other things that will be released. Uh, one more, at least. We, we, I'll talk about VGA and grading seal games. That'll be on YouTube. Um, so, no, I, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, Saturday panel. Well, Saturday was Saturday was probably the roughest day I've ever had at a convention, and I've done a lot of conventions now. We're talking three or four a year at least now that I do. Um, so I'm used to them. But Saturday was like nonstop. Yeah, like from a, from from the time our asses hit the seats 10, at the booth at ten till, till like six till seven when the con floor closed. Seven because we, we, we did a signing six to seven. That's right. We had a uh, we had a ton of people coming up and saying hi. It was a pleasure to meet everyone. Oh, yeah. Everyone was super nice. Mm-hmm. Um, people were very very kind and gave us gifts which I don't even deserve. Um, I agree. It, I, great pet um uh, but it was uh it was great um i did catch a wicked case of con sars con crud con flu whatever you want to call it which is why i'm extra are you sure you did because it, it did it happen that night we left or was it next day or two sicknesses don't take don't don't take effect it, it started yesterday early in the morning so because the only the only major con flus i had started like First of all, both were MAGFest, and both happened like when I was leaving, like that Sunday night. They were really bad. I don't know anyone who's who's been sick since I got home, and like I said, I got it yesterday, and it usually takes a couple of days to get sick from someone else, so I'm going to assume it was from that. But it was worth it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I got to meet a lot of the people that I go back and forth with on the Patreon and on Twitter in real life, and it was great to you know put a face to a name and actually have a conversation and more than... 140 characters. Um, I picked up a lot of weird stuff at the convention. A lot of Mahjong games. Mahjong Cop. Uh, Mahjong Cop, which is probably the best thing I picked up because uh, it involves Robocop, Terminator, and Dirty Harry. And Mahjong. <coughs> and Mahjong. So, yeah, that was a fantastic convention. I had a pinball panel. Pat didn't see it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> Wait a second. You didn't. And... Uh, <laughs> I had to stay at the booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to your panel. There was no one at the booth then. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I ran through the history of it. I was actually surprised I managed to fill, like, all, all you know, 55 minutes of it, which I didn't think I'd be able to do because I'm terrible at public speaking. Let's, let's, wait, hold on. So let's get something straight. If, if you had asked me to come to your panel, I would have came to it. You didn't ask me to go to yours. I just did what a friend would do. No, actually, I did ask you to come to mine because I thought you might be helping with the Play the Punk Challenge, but it ended up where I wasn't playing the game since I was exhausted. Oh. You asked but... me to carry a box. <laughs> you could have left it. I, honestly, if it wasn't if it wasn't a tit for tat thing, I honestly didn't need you in the front row if it's going to come down to it. I mean, I appreciate you being there, but it wasn't like I was going to be torn apart. So I, I wish you wouldn't feel that way since I didn't go to your panel. But now I feel real. I honestly feel bad because honestly, I, I, looking back, we should have recorded it. That that probably was yeah. I mean, that's thing. the bigger bummer is that it didn't get recorded. But there might be a chance for another one. Oh yeah. So what what topics did you actually cover? Did you cover like the major, like the three or four major errors of pinball? I started with nineteen thirty four. And then I went up through 1934 briefly until we got to uh, 47, which is when flippers are added. And then I kind of jumped into the 60s and the 70s with electromechanical. Mm -hmm. And then as we went into the 80s, I took a detour because a lot of people don't realize that. I mean, people think of pinball as this Americana thing. You know, you see it in all these these TV shows uh, during that, you know, the, the 50s and 60s eras. And people don't realize that pinball was outlawed in so many major cities in the U.S., uh, because coin-operated games were associated with gambling and moral degradation. 
Um, it was uh, LaGuardia, New York, that uh, started actually that trend, that piece of shit. Um, but it was eventually overturned um, by a very interesting court case where a guy actually had to play pinball in a courtroom and prove that it was a game of skill. That's pretty funny. I, I love that there was footage of that. That'd be great. And then I did the 80s, uh, 90s, talked a little bit about the 2000s, and did some Q&A. So, 2000s, stern. Now we're back. You know, well, I mean, now Jersey Jack and some you know repro manufacturers. Things sure. are things are looking up. Oh yeah, if you have four, even I, I'd like four nice pinball manufacturers. That'd be nice. That's kind of like where we're at now. About, yeah, three so. to four competing manufacturers. I, if Jersey Jack would be greater if they could put stuff out faster. Well, we'll see this big. If this big Lebowski looks promising. It looks as promising as it, it's going to be. That'll be good. <laughs> it's too bad the price point's so high, or else I really want to get one. But ten grand—that's a lot of change for a pinball machine. Well, and the problem I mean, is, is for true competition. Competition. I'm not saying you need to pump two out a year like Stern does, but you no. need to be able to at least put out one a year. I think that's reasonable. For and Jersey Jack is like two to three a year, and this Big Lebowski one's been going since we started the podcast, so almost two years now at least. Sure, that's a special note that they were they were basically crowdsourcing ideas and, and getting. So I mean, plus they probably want it to be perfect because this is like a labor of love, and you can't screw up the Big Lebowski, you know? Yeah, you, no. it's really tough. So yeah, so the rest of you know the, the rest of it was good to see uh, you know people. On the internet, you met Brennan Floss from the first time. Brent's a great guy. That's not the first time. That's right. Well, well, the first time you get to really hung, hang out with him, you know. And um, I actually didn't get a chance to really see him. And then you, you, we hung out with James one night. So, so yeah, so Too Many Games is fun. I'll be at Com Bravo next month, and then uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the summer. I do plan on trying to get to Portland, but I don't think I'll make it to any other summer conventions. So this, was, uh, this is almost breaking news about, um, well, we sort of commented on this topic because of Shenmue being, 3 being kickstarted uh, and then it turned out that Sony was, was behind it, right. sort of anyway. So, Sony has launched I mean, the perfect uh, um, segue from the, the Shenmue thing is, Sony has launched uh, what it calls its first flight program. Uh, it's part of Sony's seat acceleration program and what this is, is a <clears throat> public crowdfunding initiative to fund internal projects that are in R&D that I can only imagine Sony does not have uh, enough faith in to dump their money into. Um, this started kind of last year with a watch. The FES watch. Yes, that was crowdfunded under a phantom company called Fashion Entertainments, meaning Sony just flat out fucking lied and made up a company name so that you could crowdfund a major corporation's watch. That's really really weird. I have so many problems with this um, on, on a number of levels. One, crowdfunding was always intended, always at the at the the start, for entrepreneurs and the small guy who's got a big idea, or for people who like video game developers who ha- want to create a sequel to a, a cult classic game but can't get the big company to front the money. So you mm-hmm. go to the public and you say, "Hey, we need help doing this." Help us do it, and you'll get what you want. This was never intended for mega corporations to abuse um, the public into getting the seed money to fund something. This is incredibly insulting to me because with Sony, this is a company that used to innovate out of their ass with things like Walkmans and such like that. They took risks, and the risks either paid off or they didn't, but more often than not, they paid off. And all this says to me is we are a weak, shaky company that is a shadow of our former selves, and we need you, the public, to take the risk for us because we can't fucking do it anymore. I think I think it's gross. Um, it's gross. Obviously, 
uh, it's no secret. Uh, people don't realize they talk about Nintendo, who has a ton of money. Sony's losing billions a year, dollars. They yeah. lost a billion dollars last year, which was down from the year before, where they only lost a billion and a quarter. So, so that so two hundred million less they lost last year, and that's only because I guess the PS4 sold better for them last year. That they're still in a hole, though. I mean, this is a publicly traded company that you can't lose billions forever before something drastic happens. We already talked about them. Getting rid of the the, the Veo or Vio computer vision. There's no more Sony computers. No, um, they took a big hit with um, what the frick was it? What was their version of, uh, of the little pocket camcorders? Remember they tried that for a bit. That went absolutely nowhere. 3D TVs <laughs> went absolutely nowhere, and Sony was on the forefront of that. CES 2010 um, was all about um, when I was there. Everyone was pushing. Uh, 3D TVs and Sony was big ass freaking 55 inch 3D TVs. When Vani and I bought our most, uh, you know, our, our new TV after we got married, we actively looked for one with no 3D because what the hell is the point of paying for a feature that I'm never ever going to use? And, and no one bought into it because people just got finished buying their 40, 50 inch LCDs the year before. Remember, five years ago, not everyone had an LCD yet, um, so so they just bought them. Like my parents did, and they're not going to all of a sudden just go out and then drop another three, four grand because they're a lot more expensive three D TVs than that. So I think the issue is this: the issue is in terms of com- consumer electronics, there isn't that much more to innovate at this particular point in time. TV technology is great. You want to try to push four K? Had a nice argument with AJ that you were uh, there for about four K isn't. Well, really- I was actually on your side. Um, I mean, four K. It's nice, but not needed. No. No, because I mean, because because cable companies people don't realize most cable you get in HD isn't 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 even 1080p it's still 1080i right and what are more more and more people turning to streaming services like Netflix Hulu Amazon Prime imagine the infrastructure needed to stream 4K yeah <coughs> it was a joke that an actual TV salesperson made to Vani and I when we were looking at TVs and Vani and I did not have any interest in a 4K TV I mean we looked at him we were like. Is 1080p fired? And we look at the 55-inch TV and we're like, yep, that's good. But, yeah. I mean, the guy was even like, you know what you can watch on 4K right now? Demo reels. Yeah. He's like, that's basically what exists. Yeah, Blu-ray is in 4K. Oh. You know, so, like, why do you need it? I, I And so AJ was trying to be like, oh, you know, you're going to, like, 10 years from now, we're going to be looking at uh, 1080p like it's, you know, like it's VHS versus DVD. I'm like, I don't think so. Because I think you get to the point of diminishing. It's called diminishing returns, returns. with technology. And are you, again, are you gonna, willing to dish out, hey, I just spent $500 on my uh, 50-inch uh, TV last year, my LED smart TV. It looks beautiful. Well, I mean, we're, we're partially a video game podcast. I mean, diminishing returns is easily shown by, like, the difference in graphics between something like a PS3 and PS4. You know, I mean, it's going to look nicer, but the, the, the jumps are getting much, much smaller. So, so, yeah, so the point is that for Sony, who's a huge company that was built their, their empire on selling... Uh, t- you know, expensive TVs, expensive audio equipment, DVD players, uh, all that stuff's going away. LCD TVs are cheaper now. Uh, you don't need a DVD player. You don't need a blue. No one really buys Blu-ray players. That's sort of a skip technology. That's going to be looked at as as uh, as laser just ten years from now. I always believe. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's more popular than that. There are huge Blu-ray sections, but I think the people who buy Blu-ray are people who stumble upon you, a Blu-ray player through something like a PS3 or a PS4. Okay. Do you see college kids buying Blu-ray or skipping it? And that's the whole point. I don't it's know. I mean, I don't buy a ton, but when I do browse for certain Blu-rays, it is right. generally younger kids or it, younger people. It skips me. I don't. I don't have a Blu-ray. I well, don't you're not that. everyone. <laughs> no, but, but I'm a guy who loves movies. Sure, and I don't feel like I need it. You know what I mean? No, that's for the I'm most at. part, 
like like for instance the 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 DVDs I have of TV seasons, uh, particularly Mad Men, one of my favorite TV shows. I have no interest in going out and repurchasing those on Blu-ray. There's no reason for me to do it. So the point is, is that Sony doesn't have a huge money maker anymore. Uh, that's you know they're not going to come out the TV next year. Everyone's going to ha- have to buy. So they're doing these smaller products. Like one's a remote control that they're they I guess crowdsourced or try to get going. So it's like this isn't going to help you lose uh, you know. Get back that loss of a billion dollars. I guess a remote control is not going to do it. Like Sony, I guess Sony doesn't have much left. Um, so I don't know. Is like I said, like Ian said, this is very strange. They did this thing called the mesh as well. Um, and so they did a few different things. I just, I just, they should be upfront and honest about it. They should at least say, "Hey, <laughs> this is Sony. We're a multi-billion-dollar company that's in the hole." We need your help because we don't want to use R&D funds ourselves to do this stuff. They right. should have said Because, like with any Kickstarter or Indiegogo, which like a lodgings, Ian, might get a lodgings. I would like to it. not be sick. Um, what what this could could say to everyone is that, um, well, like, uh, wait, that threw me off. Um, there's no guarantee you're going to get something with Indiegogo or Kickstarter. No. There's no guarantee you're going to get this uh, this watch. No, you throw, you know? you throw, well, the watch has already been funded, but you throw in for this... Jesus Christ. You throw in for this remote, and there's no guarantee it'll ever come to market. And that's even more disappointing when you're supporting someone who's supposed to be a long-running, solid business like Sony. If you fund the Kickstarter and it doesn't pan out, well, you knew the risk going in. But I feel like with Sony, whether they imply it implicitly or not, um, there is some... I think there is some expectation that they are going to deliver on what you are funding, and there isn't. They could decide, you know what, even with the money we've made, this is not worth it, and they take that money and they add it to their coffers for something else. Sure. Uh, so be on the lookout for the next Sony fake company uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Comes up. Besides, besides uh, 15-year-old game franchises, um, you know, you'll see maybe the Sony foot massager uh, coming soon. Yeah. Um, also on the line of disappointing things that are kind of gross... Um, the Arkham Knight PC version was pulled from Steam uh, amid humongous problems. Uh, and as time goes on, this has... Uh, the, the, the story, the plot has only thickened. Um, you, think, you, think, you think we'd be done with this after the Ubisoft disastrous uh, well, launch yeah, of the think. last Assassin's Creed now, game? If I'm not mistaken... Uh, Arkham Origins, or not Arkham Origins, uh, Arkham Knight is be, is published by WB, who also published uh, Mortal Kombat 10 now uh, for the PC. Well, in general, but both for the PC. Now, that doesn't mean they were developed by the same per- people. I'm not saying that. But it seems like WB has a really horrible track record of rushing out PC releases. So if you run down um, you know, some of the basic points that occurred here... You have, you know, a bunch of disappointed customers initially talking about, you know, uh, glitches and problems. Um, you've got retailers already offering refunds if the patches don't fix most of the issues. Do you have any idea how many digital retailers actually offer refunds? Almost none, because it's so hard to do. Um, then people started coming out, companies started jumping in, like NVIDIA, who have no- nothing to do with the game, to offer solutions uh, to, you know, try to offer, like, graphical, like, setting solutions to keep the game from fucking crashing out. Well, do you want to go to order of all the updates that were released? Well, I, I, of- I'm just hitting the, the, the important ones here, I think. Um, but update five is when Warner Brothers su- officially suspended the sales of the PC version <laughs> of a game. That's awful. SimCity, when EA botched that, 
if I remember correctly, did not suspend the sale of the game. Or if they did, it was very, very short term. Um, this has been suspended for quite some time, and they state that it's not going to be unsuspended until they fix all the problems. Yeah, so it's been about a week. And um, so what do you have? You have game freezing, audio glitches, what else? You have frame rate stuttering. You have you have graphics that aren't on par with the PS4 version of the game. You know, people talk about computer gaming being better, and yeah, in a lot of ways it can be, but if these console-style, you know, action games that are traditionally more focused for consoles... Um, I mean, these companies need to get their shit together and be able to put something out, because right now... If you want to play this or Mortal Kombat or something like that, and I know Mortal Kombat's been mostly fixed, you are on the losing end here. I mean, you're you're paying you're paying the same amount of money, and you're getting absolute bullshit. It used to be that console games wouldn't come out on the PC for a period of time. I'm talking 10, 15 years oh, yeah. ago. Be like a year. Right. Could be more. I mean, the GTA still don't come out until about a year later on the PC. Um, and there's a reason <laughs> for that because they need to be. Optimized. They're, it's completely different. Maybe optimized. Yeah, they're not the same as a console. The, the code <laughs> is a little different. All right, if you have a so, lozenge, I'll take it. Okay. After <laughs> this topic. Or, or, we can, or we can pause now. No, that's fine. Um, the worst thing, though, is that it's come out that Warner Brothers knew about all the issues plaguing the PC version for months, according to inside sources. Yet, they determined that they were going to get more money from the console versions and completely diverted uh, their 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 resources to the console versions, and purposely released a shit product. Now, why wouldn't they just then suspend the, the release of the PC version for like three, four months and get it right? Because you got to get that shit out day and date. Otherwise, you know, all the money you've put into the PC version, you know, isn't going to be made back. You know, you, oh, otherwise Jesus they're going to go buy PS4 versions or Xbox One versions. And, that, and that's a, and that's worse. The, the the potential loss sales is worse than the, the bad goodwill. And plus returns and people and people never buying your potentially your games again are putting out a, a, a basically an unfinished probably mostly untested product because how could it get past playtesters saying yeah we have all these uh, frame rate issues this game is freezing it looks like crap even on the highest settings I saw a screenshot comparison where yeah the PC version didn't look as good as a console and that's unheard of yeah. because PCs are more powerful if you have the most up to date uh, uh, graphics card but I hate to say it the issue here is. All this, you know, you talk about people not coming back. Unfortunately, that's not that doesn't seem to be the, be the case. Once again, I go back to SimCity or other or, or, or Ubisoft with uh, you know Assassin's Creed Unity. Um, these people stamp their feet and they whine. And while I'm sure there are plenty of video game players who stick to their guns and don't buy from these companies, just as many as soon as the next ooh shiny game comes out, they're they're too willing to throw money at the screen and buy it. Yeah. They don't ever learn anything. Consumers have to be smart. You can't be baby. First of all, you, if you're going to complain, uh, you have the right to complain, but then next time uh, Rocksteady comes out with a game, don't buy it the first day. Obviously, wait right. for their views to come out, or else you have no right to complain then. Just wait. Yeah. Wait for their views. Wait to make sure it's playable. If all the people that complain about the last Assassin's Creed game go out and buy uh, the next Assassin's Creed game the first day and it's fucked up, guess what? That's not Ubisoft's fault. It's your fault for being an idiot and doing it again. Right. Because you have they can to get away with it. Be a smart consumer. These mega these- Punish the companies with your wallet if they're not going to come out with a product that is ready for market. These huge companies are in the, 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 the business of making video games, but they are not playing video games necessarily they do not give a shit they will churn out crap as long as money is flowing into their bank account and if you let them do it they will do it 
So we're talking about so bad that like uh, the developer comes out with a statement, says, "Yeah, we're working on the issue." They probably should have said, "We haven't worked on this issue for six months, even though we knew it was there." <laughs> and then, yeah, like you said, you have like Nvidia and freaking uh, when you have a freaking graphics card company trying to help you, you, you know, optimize your settings. That's ridiculous. They're not. Yeah, they're not getting anything out of that. They're simply trying to help the people who want to play games. Now, these are people. That's who not are, their fault. It's right, not Nvidia's fault. But these are the people who are on the right side of the equation. Sure. These are the people who are really trying to make sure that people get the experience that they paid for. Mm-hmm. Rocksteady's just like, well, we'll take it down and stop selling it until we magically fix it. Maybe you know, six months down the line. Like Jesus. And now they're trying to throw AMD under the bus, saying, well, we, we knew there was issues with people with AMD graphics card. Uh, working closely to, to rectify these issues as quickly as possible, blah, blah, blah. It's like, come on, man. Well, then either don't release it or release it with a fucking asterisk so that says, if you have an AMD graphics card, you may be experiencing problems. But then, so AMD, it sounds like AMD are releasing driver updates to help, and NVIDIA is doing the same. But if you told these companies months in advance about these problems, I'm sure they could have, instead of rushing out these updates, could have put out these updates before the game was released. Yeah, absolutely. And not being like, you know, you're working at AMD and it's like, holy shit, this game's not running on the PC. So AMD's like, oh, okay. Now it's our problem. Now we have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Now you're telling us now after the game's released. You could after have told the us, fact, it's yeah, not their fault. Exactly. You should have told us before. Just an absolute horror show. I feel really bad if you bought this day one. But again, don't forget who put out the game. Don't forget the developer. Don't forget the publisher, just as importantly, you know, for allowing this to happen. And then, yeah, if you can, if you can return it, return it. Yeah, don't by all let, means. Don't let promises and nice graphics fool you into opening your wallet for these shitheads again. I'm tired of seeing the commercial on TV too. All right, luckily, is, I haven't seen it. This is how the Batman dies, or whatever. Great. What are you spoiling the game now for us? Come on. What, what am I supposed to know about Batman? I don't dead? think I don't the game looks good at all, though. It's it, it, like, is it open world? Wasn't the second one open world? It's open world, but from what I've read in reviews, it forces you into the Batmobile that's so fun. often that it's ridiculous. Because that's what I enjoy when I ever read a Batman. No, I want to swing around and jump from rooftop to rooftoftop. But I don't want to play fucking. Well, I, I don't want to play <laughs> Battle Zone in my my Batmobile, which is essentially what a lot of those segments sound like. Like Bat- you, the Batmobile can magically strafe. Bat- Batman Vice City. I don't feel like playing that one. So this was alerted to me on Twitter by someone who I guess was mad that uh, how I guess USA Today wrote about this, uh, but it's a cool, it's very cool nonetheless. And I'll get to what USA Today wrote about it. So a twenty, uh, let's see, it was a twenty-three minute speed run on a computer, blindfolded of Super Mario World. Only three deaths. Only no, three deaths n- were no game overs, and and two I think two two out of three deaths were on the final uh, Bowser Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, one was at a random level, I think, in the first world, and just an amazing feat. It's almost like you think it's not true when you're watching it, but then when you realize that speedrunners do this like almost for like a living, how often they play these games like that, they, it's 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 muscle memory. Um, not just uh, knowing the timing of the levels, but they hear the sounds of the jumps, and so it just clicks in their head. What's going on? What was so interesting to me watching it was how much sound cues um, were were his were his map. Sure, um, you know, just even watching the first level that he does, he runs constantly, and you can tell he's jumping at precise moments in the song. Um, there are spots where you can tell he gets a little confused as to where he might be, mm-hmm. and he waits kind of for the music to start again, because if you've played the game long enough, you know how certain enemies will move and what their positions will be during parts in the song. A lot of people are like, well, no, this is bullshit, how can you do it? Well, no, games are mechanical, they're code, they're programmed, especially at this point, and 
it's almost always that Koopa is almost always going to be there when that note hits. So you jump when that note hits. Sure. So the YouTube name is Pangea Panga. Um, if you didn't know that. So, of course, the only way you can beat this game this quickly is if you go to the Star World. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go and get all those, uh, what is it, the keys unlocked, the next one to go around the star. It's been so long since I beat Super Mario World. And then that's how you go. Basically, basically you only have to play uh, through the first world, a teeny bit of the second one. Uh, you get the secret ghost uh, world where you fly up with the key, open that, go to the Star World, get out of the Star World. Basically, Takes you directly to, Bowser's right to Bowser's Castle, castle. And, and, and defeating uh, Bowser. And that's where you had a little bit of trouble. He also uh, got lost in Star World for a little while. He got which... lost in the Star World. Uh, he got off the wrong the wrong uh, leg of it, which I thought was the funniest part, because to me that would be the easiest thing would be now get to Star World, but that was the thing that got, gave him a little bit of trouble. He's like, oh, we're well, in the Star World. Can I can't click forward? i got to go back down the pipe and go to the Star World. But yeah, then uh, on Bowser, there was one time where he screwed up the timing, because the way, the way he uh, defeated Bowser was ingenious, uh, the way he would fly up and mm-hmm. then fall back onto uh, whatever those mechanical... Uh, Guys are called that. Thus knocking them into Bowser as opposed to knocking them and throwing him. I never thought of that ever. You know, here here I am being an idiot as a kid, like, doing it the old-fashioned way. I I never thought of it that way either. I always did it the old traditional way, which Uh, is silly now. So so it's an amazing feat, and it's not like it was flawless because he had to think about it. It wasn't like he would, like, uh, go to a door and automatically push up. He would push all the way to the right, making sure he was at the end, then inch back, hit the door. You know what's really impressive, though? I, I don't know if you actually went to the YouTube video and, 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 and read any of the comment, comments. I did not. He started practicing blind strategies on June 16th. So then in a week, he, he did it? And by, I think it was... 23rd is by the, the video. By the, uh, is it? June 24th. The full run started on the 20th, and then a 23rd is the full run. So, yeah, he did it in like a week. That's That's incredible. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he's obviously, like you said, he's probably speedrun the shit out of this game before. He, well, I'm blindfolded, but... Well, he probably, and this is what I'm getting to the USA Today write-up, which I thought was humorous, but people were offended by, is that he probably doesn't have a lot of other stuff to do. Maybe he's a college kid or high schooler that summer vacation maybe he has off. Uh, but the USA Today write-up... I didn't think... Which, I, I mean, it was kind of... It was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I think it was yeah. tongue-in-cheek. I, I mean, it was kind of a jab, but I don't think they were necessarily they were, trying to insult him. They were writing to their audience. It's USA Today. They're writing to, you know, middle America and everyone else. But USA Today uh, said, You can watch this grown man play a video game blindfolded in 23 minutes and marvel <laughs> at his ability to clear the game. Or you could go out on this Wednesday morning and start learning a new language, start growing a garden, volunteer, or read a book. Then yeah. adds, yeah, I wanted to watch the guy be Super Mario World blindfolded too. Right. So See, the, I don't think it's really a, it's tongue in cheek. Yes, exactly. And then it goes on to say, um, his YouTube name is Pangea Panga. I assume this isn't his real his name, but maybe it is. Whatever the case, Pangea Panga is an accomplished video game speedrunner, and we should all hope to one day lack the responsibilities he does, so he too can su- successfully play video games. I think that's fucking hysterical. I think it's funny. I'm sorry. I think it's, it's funny because it's it, there's a there's a grain of truth to that, and it's still giving the guy his props. Well, like you, you said, there, there are periods in your life where. It, you don't have these no. responsibilities. You don't have a lot of time, or you, you know, you don't have a lot of things you need to do. If provided, I mean, for instance, say he is a college student, like you said, um, maybe he doesn't want to go out and party. Maybe he doesn't yeah. want to go out and drink. Maybe he just wants to, you know, do this but, shit. That's fine. Yeah, let's be honest. If if you develop within a week 
uh, a method to defeat Super Mario World blindfolded, you probably don't have much responsibilities. But that's the truth. But you also have a pretty interesting skill. Yes, yeah. that's <laughs> so. fine. I spent one, one uh, summer in, in high school playing Civilization uh, 2. It was a monumental waste of time. I barely got my summer reading done. My dad would yell at me. But it was fun. And now I probably could run the free world better than a lot of politicians because of that planning and uh, strategery. But hey, that's a skill. I so. wasted almost a year of my life speedrunning DuckTales. <laughs> well, there you go. So so don't get mad at you and say today, oh, he's making fun of gamers mainstream. It's like, fucking cares. It's a write-up. The fact that they're running the story is great. Hell, because of that stuff, uh, outlets like this, it has like 800,000 views, this video. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So good for you, Pangea Ponga. Yeah, that was that was awesome to watch. I was, I was in... I was actually in disbelief when he did the water level because I, I felt oh like, yeah oh yeah because I felt like that would be the hardest to get down. There was there was one where he was like I think avoiding the uh, the big Bertha fish by like going underneath and like knowing the timing of wh- how far to, to to push down. You know, it's because there is an exactness to it, but it also feels very unexact. So I feel like he had to like he had to find places where he could bump his head mm-hmm. and, and, and go by that because there's there's your big sound cue. Sure, you know. Let's talk. Let's talk. This is pretty exciting. I think this is um, exciting. I'm so pumped for this. Um, Shovel Knight is getting a physical release. Uh, this is good for a number of reasons. You can touch it, huh? You, you, you touch can touch it. 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 I have a digital version of this, and I am buying a physical release on day one. Shovel Knight got a lot of things right. Let's just go over that first. It's an old game, and that's an older game year now, and it's older news. It's been a year already. I think so. Um, uh, seven, eight months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe more along that, those lines. But it's everything, and it is X-way forward employees. It's almost everything that a lot of these retro g- indie game designers set out to do mm-hmm. actually accomplished. Fantastic music, fantastic level design, controls that feel spot on. Uh, innovative th- gameplay. Yeah, always. innovative gameplay that mixes stuff like Zelda Two with Ducktales. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. It's a wonderful game. Um, they've also done their, all future updates to the game, including new playable characters and new levels. They're doing for free, um, and the game is so popular that it's getting physical releases on 3DS, PS4, Xbox One, and I think one other platform that I'm forgetting. Um, but what's cool is not only is it coming on disc, uh, it will come with the first expansion. Uh, but it's getting a real physical manual in color, which is something that I pine for every time yeah. I buy a video game. So, so first, it's coming on Wii U, 3DS, PS4, and Xbox One. Some people were complaining about it not being on the Vita, but it's a dead system. Sorry. Yeah, um, and there's a download version for the Vita, so, so you can still play it. Yeah, so um, so the fact that yeah, it's going to have a real manual is great because it's a throwback. Because now when you buy most games, they, they've done away with them for little pamphlets saying... <laughs> How fucked is that that a manual is now considered a throwback? <laughs> and, I, and let's be honest, I mean, this is going to retail for only $20. It's going to come out October 13th. Uh, the manual is probably going to cost them, let's be honest, if it's like a 10, 12-page manual, who knows? I don't know, 50 cents each, 25 cents each in bulk to, to probably make those. So, yeah, it's going to cut into their profit, but they... You know they made a lot of money off this game already, just from the you know the, from the digital download. So maybe they, they want to do this. Obviously, they're making money off this as well at twenty dollars. But you know they want to just do something. They, they want they want it to stand out. They don't want to just put this out. They, they want to they want it to sort of feel with that sort of retro game theme. They're making money in. off of it, but this is still 
in my opinion, a big thank you to fans. Sure. Because because this is what fans have asked for. I mean, this is yeah. kind of how it came out. Fans wanted a physical release of this. Yeah, the profit margin on a $20 game sold in stores is not going to be nearly the, what it is on a, on a digital. No. Uh, they're, they're doing it as a labor of love, especially if they get a really nice manual. And I love how they, they said, uh, you know, and yes, it'll have a, a physical, full-color manual. Not a uh, pamphlet. So, not a pamphlet, so that you can <laughs> pour over it on your way home. Because i got to tell you, whenever I'd get a game... The first thing I do would, would be open it, especially in my like my my high school years when I'd bus around and I'd read that shit on the bus until I got home and then I'd start playing. Uh, manuals also make great bathroom reading material. Um, in case you gotta take a dump before you start playing your game. Wash your hands before you put the manual back in the case. Right, and then I guess that this Plague of Shadows add-on will come out before. The box version is released, but that but it'll be included in the box. Oh, they're going to throw it in there too. It's going to be included, like I said, and, and all of those updates are free, anyways. So whether you have a digital version or a disc version, it's going to be free. They're, um, they're going to put it in a battle mode. They're putting in all sorts of stuff. They're putting in like a Good for them a, a body swap mode where you can make any character any gender you want. They're they're just going nuts with the good the for content. them. Yeah. Good, good for yacht. Uh, was it yacht club games? Yep, I am all over that shit. Good. For, so twenty bucks. You know what? I might pick up a physical release of this because I I just to, to support this. the idea. Yeah, why not? Will I get will I get the three DS or will I get the Wii U? I've only had like only I only have like three games for the Wii U. I might as well get the Wii. U. <laughs> it's a good game on whatever system you're going to get it for. That's going to be a rough time of year for me, but we'll see what happens there. But good, good on you, Yacht Club Games. Good on you. So, let's let's talk about something. Uh, it's a little political, but it's interesting just because this, this, this came up. Um, so, there, there was a, that horrific, horrific uh, racially charged, uh, well, racially uh, generated shooting in South Carolina at a church. Um, after that, there was a lot of upheaval uh, about the Confederate flag. Which? Uh, be, I... Because the Confederate flag is... Um, it's not on top of the state building, South Carolina, but it's on the grounds of the state capitol. Um, so there's a lot of calling for it to be taken down in various southern states where it's on the, the state grounds. They've already done it in a couple, including Alabama. When Alabama takes down the Confederate flag, then you know that. Yeah. You know, I find people like, what the fuck's going on? And I can't yeah. say I disagree. It's not exactly a fucking positive symbol. Um, yeah, we can get into it. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I'm not saying you should not be disallowed to fly the flag on your on your property, wear a shirt with it. I yeah, saw. A guy I know. I know where not to trick or treat or hang out. Yeah, but uh, you know, I actually saw a gentleman at the airport with a Confederate flag and U.S. flag shirt. Um, feel free to do that, but it should not be on uh, state grounds. Um, it just shouldn't be. Uh, that aside, though, there was a bit of an overreaction in terms of the market uh, on Amazon. Uh, they they stopped. They basically stopped allowing the sale of the Confederate flag, uh, e- even though that you could still buy buy like Nazi flags on you know on some of these websites. But Apple stopped uh, the sale of basically almost any game that had the Confederate flag in it, including Civil War games. Now, yeah, like historical Civil War reenactments. That's kind of something that needs to be in there. Sure, I detest the Confederate flag and would love to see it torn down. However. When you're talking something like this, when you're talking things that relate to the Civil War um, in a game, what are you going to replace this with? I mean, you do want these sort of things to be historically well, accurate. The, the Nazi flag flies all over World War II reenactment games. Sure. 
Um, I, I think you got to be careful because going back to Germany, Germany has outlawed the Nazi uh, symbolism, and any game that comes out there, they edit out the Nazi flag. And you don't want to forget. You don't. It's it's not it's not a problem to be so ashamed of your history. And now I, I guess for, for Nazi Germany, they're only uh, less than eighty years behind. While this was actually the hundred fiftieth anniversary of the end of the Civil War, which I won't get into. How there was absolutely no talk about that which to me was unfathomable that there was absolutely <coughs> no speeches given or nothing talked about the end of the civil war since it was the most horrific time in u.s history um but you can't totally forget that these things existed in your nation's history and in a, in a civil war game uh you yeah you expect to see the confederate flag because while it was not used by every state um it was used by a, a good amount of, of units in the confederacy um so yeah uh the games were taken off of of, of Steam. Uh, the major one was a uh, Ultimate General series, and it was Ultimate General Gettysburg that was taken off. And yeah, it's just a uh, Civil War strategy game. You've seen them a thousand times. Now, I could be wrong, yeah. but I believe it was reinstated it on was. the App Store. It was. So. so it sounds like they had, had some phone calls, and it was a general overreaction by Apple, and they put it back. And yeah, because basically, you're not playing a Civil War game. Uh, when you're playing a Civil War game, you're not you're playing it for this uh, the strategy aspect and the historical value you're not playing it because of the racially charged elements of the confederate flag that's not why you're playing a game like that uh it's more for historical accuracy so yeah it was just a sort of an overreaction to that but yes uh i the flag should be taken down on all uh all state grounds because it was uh uh this is going to get people upset in the in the in the comments but at the very least uh it represents treason uh, and flag. racism and bigotry, I would also go so far. As sure, to say. but when you're talking about just in terms of, in terms of uh, what it represents against the government, it was a treasonous act, especially by those Civil War generals that uh, swore an oath to the fucking Constitution and went to West Point, you know, and everything else. They went to these military academies, and then oh, forget about that. I'm going to fight against the U.S. So, all right, let's let's talk some movies. Yay! Let's talk some Spidey news. I'm excited about this. There's a lot of people on Twitter. Um, and the, honestly, these are people that either aren't fans of the Spider-Man character or don't know the history of Spider-Man or whatever. They should just shut up. Um, that they were, they were concerned that uh, a young 19-year-old Tom Holland was cast as Spider-Man, who looks like he could be 15. Uh, so they're like, oh, this is Spider-Kid. We need a man as Spider-Man. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. So hold on. He, he looks like a, maybe a high schooler? Guess what? Guess what age Spider-Man was when he started out? He mm. was a nice 15, not even 16-year-old kid starting out in high school. Guess what, Sp- Spider-Man fans? Spider-Man didn't graduate high school until about issue 28 when he was fighting the Molten Man and ends up going to graduation with bruises and a black eye and everyone wondering what the hell happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking the first two and a half years of Spider-Man comics. He's a high schooler still. That's a core part of his character and development is being a high schooler. And unfortunately, as much as you love Tobey Maguire or as much as you love Andrew uh, Garfield, they did not pass as high schoolers. They were both cast at 26 and 27 years old uh, before shooting started, and they looked an old 26 to me, at least to me. Uh, oh, yeah. They were cast way above the age that they should have been cast. And I- so th- they basically shoved them out of high school in those movies. <laughs> I mean, in the, in the first Batman movie, they shoved them out of high school within the first half, half of the hour, movie. Yeah. Get, get them out of the movie. Uh, you know, never to, to be seen again. Andrew Garfield looked 35 in the first Spider-Man movie, and he was 28 or 27 in that movie. By the second movie, he's well looks uh, 30. Um, so they're thinking about, first of all, this is, I know Sony supposedly has creative control. They really don't. It's really Marvel that's yeah. that's really pushing this, nudging this <laughs> along. 
And um, they're looking at a, a kid to play Spider-Man for at least probably eight years. You know, they want to do probably three movies on its own. First one coming out in 2017, besides appearing in probably Civil War and then Avengers uh, Infinity Wars. So they want uh, someone who's going to remain young to be a contrast to all the adult heroes like Thor, uh, now 50-year-old Robert Downey Jr., and guys like Chris Evans, who look like in their 30s, they look like men. And Spider-Man was always the, the one that was different, and it was always a shock. Part of the appeal of the character was always a shock, especially to the other heroes, even like the Fantastic Four, finding out that this is just a kid. Right. This isn't an adult. We're adults, and this kid is is is, is a, as powerful or more powerful than a lot of these other heroes. And he's a he's a high schooler. Right. That's that's such a unique part of the character that, in my opinion, was lost in all the movie adaptations so far. Absolutely, because he was never allowed to grow into the the, the, the character. Because by the time they cast him, it, it's like they looked at other superhero movies and they're like, they're adults. And you're right with someone like Iron Man or Thor. Or, Hall, or you know, Banner. If they look older in in future movies, it's not a big deal because mm-hmm. they're cast as adults and they, with a little makeup, a little hair dye, they're always going to look like <laughs> they're always going to look like yeah. adults. You got 10, 15 years to stay somewhat the same age yeah. nowadays in Hollywood. And not not when you're trying to play a teenager who's yes. growing into a young adult. Yes. Um. So. I mean, the the kid wasn't my first choice. I wanted the kid from Ender's Game, but whatever. He's 19. Again, he looks younger. But hell, he he's acrobatic. He's doing Parker moves on his Instagram. He's like he's doing like flipping jump kicks, and so I'm sure they're not going like to let him do. He's doing it. it in his backyard too. But this still, the fact awesome. that he's doing know, that is just cool that he's doing that. <laughs> and they said that I think Kevin Feige uh, said that uh, it, they, I think in his words they were very complex screen tests. So I think the word was that he tested with Robert Downey uh, Jr. and he tested with Chris Evans because obviously he's going to be playing uh, off of them in Civil War and in future movies. And so that's like, at least in the movie universe, that's going to be your big three in terms of superheroes. going to be Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Captain America. So they have to be able to have right. ca- screen chemistry. So I totally trust the casting. Marvel really has, I don't want to say hit a home run in all the casting, but they've hit a good triple on the casting on these mm-hmm. movies. They've done uh, as, as bad as well as you can be expected, even with a couple of recasts that were somewhat beyond their control in a couple of key roles. Um, I have no problem with this at all. And hell, I prefer it because I, do want, I don't want Spider-Man 2 to have a kid that looks like he's 30 or 35 years old. Tobey Maguire by Spider-Man 3 looked... Like his age, he looked early thirties. He looked somewhat older. He was getting a little long in the tooth to be playing a, a kid in college. Right. By that point, we're talking, you know, ten years out of college, and it's like he looked it. Uh, I'm not saying anything about it, about his performance. I'm just saying his <laughs> physical attributes. Remember, Spider-Man. Uh, if you look at like his Marvel stats, he's like what is he five eight, a hundred and sixty pounds? You know, five nine. He's not a big character. No. That's why I hated what uh, what McFarlane did with him, making him look like a linebacker. That, that, because that's never what Spider-Man was, you know. And even starting in the seventies, they started to bulk him a little bit. He was always sort of this small. He's a spider. He's he's a little guy. Like and kind of, he's he's very spelt, but he's stronger. Um, so another Spider-Man news that we can connect to real quick. Uh, uh, in terms of the Amazing Spider-Man comic, they're bringing back. I guess in the fall. Yeah, October. I, I, uh, you probably know more, more about this than me, but it's it's just it's too out there. So basically, I, I mean, to, to just do a brief sum up, and yes, I'm going to miss things. I'm sorry. Um, Doctor Octopus became Spider Man for a while and started Parker Industries. Then Spider Man became Spider Man again and regained Parker Industries. Uh, I believe it happened after Secret Wars or during Secret Wars. 
And what's going to happen now is they're going to restart, well, not reboot, but bring back Amazing Spider-Man. And what you exactly, what you basically have is a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker, who is um, creating suits that are more technologically advanced, uh, running business ventures in other parts of the world. Uh, He's got a a, a Spider-Mobile again. Because that worked the first time. Right. (laughs) And... What what seems like what it seems like they're talking about is they're turning Spider Man into another Tony Stark slash James Bond, <laughs> right? And on some level, that's almost neat, but like it's just so different, and I don't know what they're doing with this that I can't imagine any true Spider Man fan is happy. And look, I like a lot of Marvel superheroes. Uh, to you know, for the people who think I'm always negative, love a lot of Marvel superheroes. Never really gelled with Spider-Man. Always I'm trying to find that trade paperback that will make me like Spider-Man. If you know a one, put it in the comments section, please. Um, but uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I can't see why this is a good idea. Um, one, of, one of the quotes was, uh, when you're reading Peter Parker Amazing Spider-Man, you're going to get the Spider-Man you've been reading since 1962, going to all new levels. Can you do the street stuff? Sure, but he can do that times ten. It's everything you know, everything you came to, cared about, amped up to a level you've never seen before. The appeal of Spider-Man is that, yes, a lot of it's street-level <laughs> stuff, and he takes on supervillains, but when he gets in over his head, he finds a way to, to get it done. Most Spider-Man... The reason why Spider-Man to me is so appealing is that he can easily be killed. A gunshot will kill him. He goes up against villains usually a lot more powerful than, than him, and usually the first time he gets his ass kicked mm-hmm. or barely draws, and then has to go back because he is a genius, which the movies don't show enough of. Figure, figure out, out a new strategy. He has to figure out a way to defeat these guys that are usually uh, smarter or have better uh, technology or Doctor Octopus. The first go read go read the first like uh, read the first twenty five issues of Spider Man when he first came out, and how he has to he's still growing, getting into it, and figuring out how to defeat Doctor Octopus the first time, figuring out what's going on with the Lizard, things of that nature. Uh, nature sounds uh, like a good time for me to buy it at Comic Con or borrow it from Frank. Frank's got the first uh, five or six. Uh, uh, <laughs> compilations. Um, so, so amping him up in tech really, to me, takes away the appeal of Spider-Man. Makes it too um, easy for him. It makes it too easy because he's already powerful. Um, but also, then when he has come up with that, like, like one of the things that comes to mind is Amazing Spider-Man three fifty, where he fights Doctor Doom, and he fucking gets demolished because Doctor Doom is just so much more powerful than right. Spider-Man, and Spider-Man only has his agility to try to survive. Because uh, his technology, his webs can't keep up with Doctor Doom's suit and all the, you know, the charges and pat- whatever the hell Doctor Doom does shoots out everything at him, and and that to me is why I like Spider Man because he's not Wolverine. Wolverine, oh yeah, he'll just whatever, he'll bounce back. And Spider Man, no, Spider Man's going to get hurt. He gets hurt. And he has to recover, um, and he has he has to just be, you know, just use his 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 genuine uh, intelligence, which he had as as a teenager, and, and I guess the Spider Man bite enhanced it, but he was smart as a kid. And then get out of the situation. So, yeah, I don't like the, I don't like when they try to go off the beaten path. And honestly, at this point, I, I, I spoke about this with you. You say comics that are all, uh, are selling more than they ever had before. I'm sure doing these sort of uh, gimmick runs like this will help. But for older fans like me, I, I have no interest in it. I just don't. Uh, we're going to talk about Terminator Genesis, which is everywhere. I mean, hell, they were sponsored on Raw. I'm seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, show up on YouTube videos with YouTube stars on like these multi-part like five-minute videos. It's like wow, they're really pushing this. This is the first time I'm seeing like uh, a major uh, tentpole 
summer blockbuster film actually like incorporating with YouTube to push it and having the star. Remember, imagine you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're like you know sixty years old now. Some of the biggest star, some of the, some of the biggest movies ever, and now you're have to act alongside these these little these little kids on YouTube like to push your movie. Well, and it's funny too because you mentioned that it was on Raw. I mean, and I don't really watch raw per se but i mean i remember that was common in the 90s the late 90s where like they would you know promote a movie or something but, as is you know as oh yeah advertisement space but i don't think they've been they've done that in a but, very long time but now it's like they're showing it like on the promos everything and like they're really incorporating the entire show hell wrestlemania when triple h came down oh my god terminators yeah. all around them you know <laughs> how did i forget that shit so um, so what so, so basically the first Terminator trailer I, I actually thought looked pretty cool. You had you had a little, basically just a, a rehash of what the plot is, which I think is interesting uh, on its surface. Is that um, it's basically a, a rehash of the first film where they send Kyle Reese or, or, or John Connor, the savior of the future, sends Kyle Reese back to save his mother from getting killed by the Terminator in 1984. But the twist is that when he sends a Terminator, excuse me, when he sends Kyle Reese back. There already is a T-800 that exists there from what looks like 20 years before, so it looks like the whole timeline has been shifted where they sent a Terminator back earlier to help train uh, Sarah Connor to prepare for the 1984 Terminator set in the first movie, the young Arnold T-800, which actually is, is at least that's not a reboot, at least it's something to, with time travel, like the new Star Trek movies coming out, you can reboot it but have it be separate without, you know what I mean? Sure. So that's the plot. So in the first trailer, they had this uh, Asian cop T-1000 show up. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. T-1000 comes back. But the second trailer, and now the commercials, have basically given away seemingly all the major twists and plot points. Including the movie posters, I believe, have that shit plastered on them. So basically, I'm not giving away because it's on all the commercials. So it turns out now, then... That somehow the not only is there a new uh, Terminator model that's even more advanced than even I guess the one what was it the T three thousand or two thousand excuse me it was like T three or T T X in Terminator three that was three thousand but okay. whatever the hell it was there's one more advanced than that that's almost like an amalgam of the endoskeleton and the T one thousand that shows up and not just shows up it is it is John Connor somehow so somehow in the future. Uh, the Terminators and Skynet have captured John Connor and incorporated him with a Terminator and sent him back to kill his mom. So it's like, that would have been cool if you hadn't known going in and that was a cool plot twist. So now that's revealed in the freaking commercials. And, and it was also revealed was older T-800 Arnold facing 1984 Arnold, which the CG looks absolutely amazing. If you've seen some of the clips, like they got it just about now where they can CG younger uh, actors and get away with it. We're almost at that point now. Oh, yeah. And that was given away, too, in the commercials. So much so that the director, Alan Taylor, came out and says the marketing gave away too much. He said, basically, he basically <laughs> said, um, I certainly directed those scenes with the intention that no one would know. Right. So he's probably like, what the fuck are they doing? They're, they're giving away all the big twists. To me, um, it's no secret between at least you and I. I don't, I don't really bitch about it. I mean, it's part of our podcast. It's what we, we were supposed to do. But it's no secret to you that I don't like covering trailers on the podcast. And the reason why is because I do believe that this has been a trend, especially in the past five to ten years, that uh, I'm, I'm really uh, not a fan of in any way, shape, or form. Um, the Jurassic World trailers eventually gave away far too much. Um, you know, things like that. And they're just showing too much on these commercials, and especially the trailers. Too many things that seem like major plot points. And when you go and you see these movies, you do still get some twists and turns that are interesting. But 
imagine how much better they would be if you didn't know anything. Which is why when a game comes out that I'm interested in, or a comic, or a book, or a movie, I try to put myself on media blackout so that I can go in as fresh as possible. And I know it's a marketing thing. On one hand, marketing thinks by showing this, it's going to get people into the theater. On the other hand, it completely kills my fucking buzz to go yeah. see a movie. Uh, the director even said that there was a kind of challenge and calculus going on in the heads of those who marketed this thing and decided this was the right thing to do. I think they felt they, they felt like they had to send a strong message to a very wary audience because of Terminator Salvation, which did mediocrely, mm. uh, that this was something new, this, this was going to be, be new territory. They were concerned that people were misperceiving this as kind of a reboot. And none of us wanted to reboot two perfect movies by James Cameron. I, I think they felt they had to do something game-changing in how the film was being perceived. So I, you understand that from marketing, there's there's tons of money in these movies that you want to be able to see it. There has to be a better way, though. Especially giving away on the freaking movie posters that, uh, surprise, the last third of the movie, you're facing <laughs> a, a John Connor Terminator. And it's like, all right. Right. I mean, they probably could. In my head, you want to get it right. Give away one or the other. Give away the hell. You give away that old Arnold's fighting young Arnold. That's probably all you needed. You can probably then kept the John Connor in your back pocket. Exactly. You know that, I, mean? I feel like that would because when that was revealed, a lot of people got excited. Mm -hmm. And you know that's enough. That's what I'm saying. Like, even though I feel like some of these are giving away too much, at least some of them keep twists in their pocket. I'm wondering how many twists are left in this. It's not just that with these trailers now. They give away every major movie beat that I joke with people uh, now when I, I like when I'm in a movie theater with someone, I'll tell them how the movie goes. That's this part of the movie. This is the ending. And I'm almost always right because you, you, you know so you mean when it? you're watching a trailer? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why I hate them because literally, you can watch a trailer and it's usually out of order but if you're at all intelligent you look at it as puzzle pieces and you're like beginning, middle, twist, and and it's like, well, I'm gonna go see this, but I mean, why? Uh, yeah, hell, hell. When I watched the village trailer, I I, told, I knew the twist of it just by watching how it's presented. I'm not saying I'm as far as person in the world, but I was like, oh, you know, the, the twist here is that you know it, they're modern times and have me right. But it's just the structure of these that really bothers me the most. You, you know, it was a good uh, trailer or first teaser. It wasn't the best movie, but if you first if you see that first trailer uh, for Fantastic Four, uh, the Silver Surfer one. The first trailer, first trailer is literally just a two-minute segment when they first meet the Silver Surfer, and a Human Torch, Chris Evans, chases him around up into space, and lets Chris Evans uh, fall back down to Earth <laughs> unflamed. That was an awesome first trailer, because it didn't tell you that much about the movie, but it showed you Silver Surfer. And I'm right. like, oh, there you go. That was Something a very that you effective. already knew. You already knew, you already knew that right. for the title, but it gave you a taste. A good trailer gives you a taste and feel of the movie without giving everything away, and unfortunately... That's where we're at. I think the first major time I saw that was going back to Castaway, where literally you didn't have to see the movie afterwards. Oh, yeah. they, they even showed him returning off the freaking island and meeting back up with Helen Hunt. And that was, what, 97 or whatever that was? You know? 98? And I was like, what the... F like, forget it. Now it's over at this point. So, I'm not saying it's a bad movie because of the trailer, but now I don't want to see it because of the trailer. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll wait till it's on FX in a year or HBO or whatever else. Q&A time. On the CEU podcast, this is from at Shawnee underscore 2087. Any horror stories of dirty slash bug infested uh, slash fried consoles or games coming into Luna or from the flea market slash internet? <laughs> um, yeah, more than I could really describe in this uh, period of time. But um, bug infested? Constantly. I mean, and it's disgusting. Uh, I mean, you, you work in a place that takes in electronics long enough and you can smell roach shit from 50 feet away. <laughs> And at Luna, uh, if it's that obvious, we 
send it back. We don't take it. There have been a number of times where I've opened up 360s for repair, or coworkers have opened up PS3s for repair, and, I mean, littered with dead roaches. Like, you could scoop them with your hand like rice and throw them. Jesus, God. Um, there's even been a, an instance where, uh, you know, we got a, a system in, and Treg's like, nothing's going on right now. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, fix this. Opens it up, and live roaches scurry out. Right. Um, we've seen live roaches in a few systems, and it sucks because then we have to go around and deroach the entire fucking stores. Uh, we throw the system in a, in a couple plastic bags, tie them up, you know, spray them down, and we put them in the back. And, uh, I mean, one of the most embarrassing things is that you got to tell these people, yeah, we're not fixing your system because it's infested with roaches. And I've, I've even had a, a, a guy yell at me before. He's like, are you trying to say I'm dirty? And I'm like, I'm not... I'm saying, saying your system's dirty. I'm not saying anything about your lifestyle, but it's full of roaches, and I'm not fucking touching it. Um, as far as like other weird ones, I got a uh, I got a 360 in for repair once that had a massive gouge in the front of it, and uh, the guy's like, "Yeah, the drive tray won't open anymore because there's this gouge across the drive tray." I got really pissed and threw a machete at it, and I don't doubt it because it was a giant gash that could only be caused by a blade. Um, I've also worked on systems before. Uh, you know, one of the one of the main problems with the 360. Um, I, I see when I do repairs, I do the eight and sixteen bit systems, and then I do like 360s and a couple other of the modern ones. But I, you know, as far as modern goes, I mostly do 360. Mm-hmm. Um, the GPU overheats and the solder joints break. Right, and people think, oh well, then we need to you know b- apply pressure. I've seen people who have tried to fucking hot glue this shit back down, and it's like I can't fix this. What I mean, how am I supposed to get rid of this? I don't think they understand the technology. They're using hot hot glue is for like glitter and you know cardboard. <laughs> yeah, decoupage and shit like that. De- decoupage, macaroni art. This is from at Flosslow, Mister Drummond. Hi, Joe. Whose company has is sinking faster, and why don't they do anything with their IPs? Uh, Capcom, Sega, or Konami? Who has the least amount of money? Sega. Well. Probably Sega. I would say Konami. I'm going to argue Konami? Konami, only because they've actively done everything to shit all over their properties in in recent in recent weeks uh, and months. Sega doesn't have any money, but you know, I mean, they got Sonic boying them up. You know, they just released well, that Sonic Boom well, game. They've got a Sonic comic and a Sonic, you know, TV show. I mean, they've got. Well, they're doing something with a property. But Sega was the first officially throwing the town. So yeah, we're done with consoles. We're just no, ab- absolutely, but. Yeah. I still think Konami right now, if it's a race to the bottom, is sinking the. But Konami, fastest. well, Konami has a lot more viable IPs than Sega does, though. At this point, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Atlas still has control over many of those uh, Sega IPs, like Streets of Rage and stuff I mean, that they haven't done anything. You can with give yet. Konami shit all you want, but they still have, you know, they still have Castlevania. They own all the fucking Hudson Soft. Yeah, IPs. but if they're not doing anything with it, it doesn't matter, sure. and they're still plunging faster. So why than... don't they? Because I don't think they have the the sort of a. Uh... They don't have the internal development anymore. Uh, they can't think outside the box, and maybe they don't even want to trust someone else to do something with the properties, to do a Castlevania game. Capcom, on the other hand, was like one of the first ones to appear like on the ropes when we actually talked about it on the podcast, when they were like, okay, uh, we're kind of up for sale. <laughs> yeah. You know? Floating that out there. Well, that, well we're talking about that. That was when, the, when, when that, was, that was when the the, 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 the <laughs> stockholders were pissed to do that move. Yeah. To try to do it to force Capcom to get off their ass. Exactly. And, and start moving and doing shit. So, Capcom though, I mean, 
whether you like it or not, I mean, I'm, I, I actually will buy it. But they've got the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Uh, Street Fighter Five is going to do Gangbusters for him as a PS4 exclusive. Um, well, actually, I don't know what else Capcom's doing right now. <laughs> but, but I, I would say... Are it, another Resident Evil? Probably. I would say Capcom, Sega, then Konami. But Sega and Konami are, you know... They're both they're, they're, they're had. They're, it, it's going to be by a nose, a photo finish. All I know is Konami no longer has Pearl, which makes me sad to me, well, to me that, you know... Should we just go out and buy the Hudson Soft properties? Could, could we give them like uh, $10,000? 50 bucks and a couple of gift cards to Chili's? <laughs> give, I mean, give I me, mean, give me Bonk, give me Bomberman, give me uh, Military Madness, and you know what I mean? That, that's all I ask. Bonk. Yeah, Bonk. At Comic Con four years ago, they were ready to come out with that game and it just dis- disappeared. All right, this is from Chudwacker, <laughs> Chadwick Mitchell. How do conventions work for you? Do they cover food, hotel, and travel? Do you get a speaking fee? You guys deserve it. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, uh, conventions for me, for the most part, all, all, uh, I mean, this is not, I'm not going to talk about, well, I will talk a little bit about what other people require. What I require, just give me uh, a place to stay, hotel, and pay for my, uh, doesn't be, doesn't be first class, coach is fine, uh, pay for my flight and that's it. And give me a, a table to peddle my wares and, and, and sign autographs for the, for the, for the, the fun fans that come out. And that's it. That's all I ask. I mean, that's all I think I, I deserve and that's all. That's all really most people should ask. Unless you're a guy who's getting multiple offers for every week or every month, and then you have to decide, and then, then you know, you can ask for stuff. I understand that. But it, uh, for, honestly, 99% of people on YouTube, you really shouldn't be asking for a speaking if That kind of po- rubs me the wrong way. Uh, it rubs me entirely the wrong way because if you are popular enough to be asked to that many conventions, the money's then you issue. are already making the money, and it's yeah. not an issue. You're simply being a fucking prima donna bitch. And, um, and, and yes, I will not name names, but there are YouTube people that do ask for to stay in suites, and they do ask for thousands of dollars to come to conventions. Rental cars and shit. Yes, I've heard people asking for rental cars, and it's like, no, why, why, why? Especially Who because are you? I mean, you're going to be traveling to the convention. You're going to be staying between the convention and, hall and your hotel, and there's shuttles. And plus, don't you realize that these conventions, if they're going to have to pay through the nose to get you, they're going to have to charge more for the tickets for for the fans that are coming to fucking see you. And because you're bringing a prima donna, now they got to charge more to make right. that back that cost. It's just you should think about these things. Think about the position you are in. Uh, to be lucky enough to be asked to be a guest at a convention. Right. And, and just think about ask- how you could potentially be hurting your fans' abilities to get to these things or hurting the convention throwers' abilities to do this in the future and if I'll- they don't make a big enough return. And we'll, we might talk about this more in the 50th episode, which is going to be the next episode of the CEO Podcast. Um, make sure you make time to talk to fans. And yeah. really, one of the, my biggest pet fees, you want to ask for a speaking fee. You want to ask for uh, whatever else you want. Talk to your fans. Don't don't hide. And throw together a good panel that they're going to want to see. Well, um, that's another issue we'll get into later. No, I'm just that. saying, like, yeah. like, like, you know, make sure you have a panel. And, and, and be at your booth at least 75% of the time. Um, not naming names, but just walking the convention hall... Uh, at, at, at too many games, so many booths were vacant from people like, and I, I could see fans like standing there, like looking around, waiting for people to come back. Yeah, I know it's tough, but you you have to go through it. That's what you're it, there for. At the very least, at the very least, if you can't be there for most of the time, put out, put down a card saying when you will be there. You know, say say like <laughs> say like I'll be here for this two hour spot, just so your fans know it. Just as as a 
you know, as a courtesy of them. Yeah, it's not like come back during this because because usually yes, usually you will get a, an autograph uh, signing uh, time at some of these conventions, but a lot of times you get a panel for uh, you get like a table for you to to set up. I thought it was so. funny, and I I think I remember who it was. They were they were really nice, but I, I can't be for sure. So, but anyways, I remember we were sitting at our booth, and I mean we signed stuff all day Saturday, and uh, you know took pictures and all that fun stuff, and. This, I believe it was a couple came up, and uh, they were like they were, they were holding things, and they're like, "So when's your signing?" And we're like, "Oh, it's tomorrow, you know, from or it's tonight from six to seven. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we'll, we'll line up and we'll see you there." And they're holding things, and I go, "Um, if you want to skip that line bullshit, I mean, we can sign it yeah. for you here." And they're like, "Oh, really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Is there a fee?" And I'm like, "No, we're just here, <clears throat> just done. There you go. <laughs> like, uh, we're not." I'm not Adam West. I'm not going to charge. We're not for fucking these. celebrities. No matter well, what people think, we're not. We're, we're, we're on a, some level we are, but I mean it's it's C list. We're C C list YouTube celebrities. But no, I will never be charging for an autograph unless I'm you know unless I get to the point where my, like I said unless you get to Patrick Stewart level where yeah maybe then you could sign. Otherwise you'd be signing for ten thousand people and it's impossible. You know what I mean? At that point, there is a point where I do understand <laughs> where you have to do it. But people on YouTube, mm, come on. Let's let's stop it. David Stovall at Yoda vs. Jason. <laughs> That's a good fight. I, I, see like, that. I like that. Uh, reactions to the new Creed movie set for a Thanksgiving 2015 release. I don't really have any reactions. Uh, I haven't seen anything on it's it. It's Michael B. Jordan who uh, is playing. I guess the. I guess he's playing a 30 year old that uh, Apollo Creed was killed in Rocky IV, which was 1985. So I guess his wife was pregnant in that movie, and he's born, and he's a 30 year old. He's a boxer. Um, and then Rocky is the mentor in this. Um, I liked Rocky Balboa. That was already, what, 2006? That was already like seven, eight years ago. I thought that was a perfect end cap, it. too. If you basically just watch Rocky 1, 2, and then watch Rocky Balboa, that's a fine trilogy of movies um, <laughs> right there. And sort of a, sort of a, ends it on a, on a positive note. Um, I'm a little hesitant about this, but being that Rocky's not the main character and he's a side character, that it is a spinoff, I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoyed the Rocky Balboa character to me is Americana. It's the ultimate underdog story. It's based upon a real real fighter. It's based upon, people don't realize it's based upon uh, a fight against Muhammad Ali, which I think it was 1976 or 77. It was Chuck Walcutt. His nickname was the Bayonne Bleeder. It was out of New Jersey. And he took um, Muhammad Ali almost to the distance. This fight was stopped the last round. But he, he, he was surprisingly... Um, took it to Ali, uh, and one of the funny things about that fight was he knocks Ali down actually in the fight, um, <laughs> and um, so I think it turned out that he stepped on Ali's foot, which contributed to that. And then uh, uh, he goes to his uh, he goes to his manager, start the car, we're getting rich, and his uh, his trainer goes, someone better tell him that because he he he's up and he looks pissed. <laughs> I refer to Ali. So after that, Ali just kills the guy, but he lasted. Um, so that's to me the ultimate sort of underdog story, and so that's to me where the Rocky movies were the best. The first movie, even in the second movie, he's an underdog, but not the superhero Rocky of you know the fourth movie or you know. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this because it seems it seems like he's gonna sort of be the father to Apollo Creed, and Rocky uh, has his one kid who sort of was the I don't want to snot nose more yuppie kid that from Rocky Balboa, and it, it's good probably to him for that character to connect to uh, someone not only who was one of his friends uh, sons but. You know, a character more like him than his son is. So I'm looking forward to that. 
I'll probably end up, you know, I'll probably end up see, seeing it. I saw Rocky Balboa in theaters. I'll admit it. Joe Alonzo. At Joe Alonzo. Hey, guys, what do you think can be done to bring arcades back? Barcades help, but we need more. Uh. I think, personally, I don't think barcade is really what is needed. Um, they're a cool hangout for people who are of age, drink, play some games. I think what kind of needs to be done is, and it's not easy to do, because, and this is why I, I, I see this as being very hard, and I don't know that arcades will come back. You need to go after the Galloping Ghost Arcade model in Chicago, which is uh, fairly well-known. Um, I mean, they have volume. They have 450 what? machines. What's the, vol- what's the what's the what do they do? 450 machines. But you're saying that's that's but that's what that's how you can get people into well, arcade. I'm getting there. 450 machines. They have they have machines that you're not going to see anywhere else in the US. They they have very hard to find machines. But more importantly, um, there's a growing set of arcade gamers who are all about the score attack. And this arcade is set up for that, where when you look at an arcade machine, there's the world record score and then the local score posted on the top of the machine. And at any time, you can have a GoPro set up, and they will record your high score attempt. Um, This keeps that place afloat, and it keeps people coming, and it is, at this point, a tourist attraction. Um, I don't think barcades are going to do it. Most barcades I see seem very, very half-assed. They're more concerned about selling liquor than they are about keeping oh, the machines in order. The one in Portland is very good, which, which you'll see if you come out. I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm just saying yeah. that booze... The common perception is that booze will equal a revitalization well, of arcades, and I don't believe that's Well, the case. I don't think there's going to be a revitalization no. of arcades. I think that what you have well, now I, is what you're going to get. I just said it's going to be hard no matter what. This is it. I, I think, uh, yeah, sure, places like Galloping Ghost or uh, what's the one up in New Hampshire that John always talks about... Uh, I'm tired. I can't think of it. Yeah, those places are great, but you can't have those even in every every major metropolitan area. It's just not viable to have a for the amount of space and the amount of money to go into hundreds of machines. It's just not. It's not possible. Um, plus the upkeep. Think about. It, there's not many people that are experts in repairing these machines that are around anymore <laughs> for repairing machines that are 30 years old, getting the parts. So it's good that these places exist, but I don't. I don't see the resurgence happening. Um, I think you're basically. I'm happy that we've seen a mini resurgence in the way we have it with barcades. And hell, you can talk about Dave and Buster's all you want, but hey, it's better than not having something like that at all. It, it just is. And you, and you and a lot of those newer arcade games. And yes, you do have a lot of them are redemption machines. A lot of them are racers. But hell, you get a new Mario Kart arcade machine. That's cool. Just that they have that. Um, you get shooters. You probably have a new Terminator Genesis one. You probably have a new Jurassic uh, Jurassic World one out there. And unfortunately, that's all you have because there is no arcade game market anymore. Because what's the point? Because you have consoles that are more powerful. You have, you know, you, you have PCs. So, I, like I'm gonna say, I, I don't think uh, you're gonna see much besides. I mean, you're gonna have listen. You're gonna have always have places like uh, Jersey Shore, Boardwalks will have them, uh, of course, because you have tourist attractions. But no, I think I think you're done seeing them. Uh, just going to uh, you know any any city or any mall having them, I think you're pretty much you're not going to go back to what, the, what you were in the classic 80s. You just won't. And for a true resurgence, you need more than just the vintage machines. You would need companies that actually felt like putting out a game on an arcade machine would matter. Mortal Kombat 10, for instance, uh, at Galloping Ghost, they're piecing it together on a PS4 and building sure. a cabinet around it. I mean, sure. you know, because th- these are not the you know if, if if Mortal Kombat is not coming out on an arcade machine. 
I, I mean, no what is? You know, what, what? Street Fighter Four did, but I don't think I'm not. Uh, and then then they updated that. But I'd be surprised with Capcom's current state if Street Fighter Five gets a, a truly dedicated arcade machine. Sure, because how many places would buy a, a machine that'll cost eight thousand dollars or whatever, seven thousand dollars? You know, it just doesn't make much sense for them to do that anymore. Um, this is from at Foxhounder ten fourteen. How about the rapid increase of Shenmue one and two prices <laughs> following the announcement of the new game? How about it? Um, uh, it's it's not totally surprising that it would shine light on uh, a franchise that a new game, especially if people hadn't heard of it before, and they go, oh, this is this is a game series that people care about. I'm going to go back and look at the old ones. I think people look at it as a negative thing, but you know, you, you're getting Shenmue three, which you've wanted. True fans already have these games, and people who are getting into it, well, supply and demand. I mean, this is just what happens when a game gets announced like this. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I can't, I can't bitch about the fact that Shenmue is no longer a twenty-five, thirty-dollar game. If it really hurts you that much, go and burn the ISO for Shenmue One, playing your Dreamcast, and it'll be free. And that's the reason why. That's the reason why the system died. Sir Jonathan Chapman at Urza's Rage, can you each name at least one movie that you watch every year? At least once. I can name a couple. Bloodsport is a once-a-year movie. Hasn't been once a year for me. I should get back to that, though. Halloween, Alien, and Aliens, and all of the Peanuts holiday specials. Not really movies, but I'll, I'll count them as, as specials. Probably the only one, just because it's on 24 hours a day, would be Christmas Story. I'll probably end up seeing, but not even in one sitting. I'll see like the You'll one. You'll see half. the whole thing over the course what, of the day. What a brilliant thing when when uh, was it TNT or TV? Was it TBS or TNT? TNT, TNT started doing that like 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Just how brilliant! That's really a movie that when it first came out, no one really saw, but then found its legs with cable TV. That's the prime example. It wasn't even very reviewed well, but now it's seen as a, as a classic. Oh yeah. Um, I used to watch Bloodsport every day during summer in my living room and I do my Taekwondo kicks and mimic Van Damme and honestly that's how I learned some martial arts I don't know how many times my VHS I watched coffee. yeah I was going to say I have no like, idea how many times I watched my TBS edited recorded VHS copy like to the point where no scene in that movie was clean like it was, it was all, all grainy. grainy and bullshit I always th- we gotta do a bloodcast segment sometime but I swear to god a bloodcast segment yeah. let's just do a bloodcast I swear to god <laughs> there's a TV edit of that movie um, like there was a lot of movies like the if you go back and watch the Warriors there's extra scenes that you don't see even on the mm-hmm. DVD especially in the beginning uh, Superman uh, 2 is a famous one where there's clips that uh, that are extra clips and extra scenes that aren't on the releases that they they film them for some reason they cut them they put them out then to pad out the time to make it exact for TV if I'm not mistaken I believe a chunk of the director's cut scenes from Aliens actually first aired on TV viewing. that happens too because they need to pay it out. Because remember, on a TV, it has to be 44 minutes for an hour. With It's like 60 minutes of commercials. So if it's off by a couple minutes, they need something to fill that right. time up. Um, so whenever... The first memories I have watching Bloodsport on TV, though, was in the shower scene at the beginning. Uh, when, he, when he goes, uh, you know, you have to come come with me now. And he's in the, and, uh, Ben Dam's working out. He goes, that would have to wait. I thought I'd take a shower. And, and then the guy says, uh, that will have to wait, sir. And then Van Dam says, okay and kicks the bag, and then he's in the shower. <laughs> so it didn't make any sense. Then I remembered that, I remember watching it, and then uh, Dukes' character saying something about him being really smelly, and that's the reason why he has to shower. I swear to God, I, I, I've seen this before. See, I, because I, otherwise I, the edit makes absolutely no sense in that movie. Well, sure. He's the movie's a, perfect, but that edit makes no sense. Well, he's, actually, he's working out. Of course it makes sense. He needs to take a shower after he's working out. I truthfully do not remember that in any version I've seen. Are there any blood sort of historians? Because he says... 
He says, okay, acknowledging that I won't take a shower, but then the next scene, he's in the shower, and then he slips out. It just, but I remember there being some, him saying something, I'm going to be smelly or something. I'm going to have I, to rewatch it, that scene now. It's not on the DVD. It's not when you no, see No, I know. I want to see the edit. I want to see the, the standard edit that you're talking about, because I don't remember it going tell him quite I'll be right that way. The line is, tell him I'll be right there after I take a shower. That'll have to wait, sir. Okay. Does, does another kick. Then he cuts to him in the shower. Let's take you so long, Captain. Captain, then he runs in and sees him out. Let's save this for our bloodcast. And I can I can recite almost the entire movie. So, so. can I? Okay. <laughs> we, should, we should really watch it together. Pat and Ian watch Bloodsport. Sure, we'll, we'll stream it. And lastly, Brian Rawson at King of Retro. Pat Denius Punk, you seem really happy, successful with your pet. The NES Punk. The NES Punk. Do you have stuff? Do you have any <laughs> other long-term goals or dreams? I always have dreams. Well, um, it's it's always I said this at my panel recently. It's always hard to say where that's going. I'll always do it as long as I have good ideas and I have time to do the Pat the Anus Punk. I mean, the bottom line is that it, it's never going to get uh, the views that something like AVGN does. I just don't have the market for it. I don't have the I don't have a market for it. I don't have the marketing either. I don't have the audience. That's fine. It's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not Ian's cup of tea, but some people like it. Um, but I always want to do stuff that I enjoy producing as long as I could not 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 go. <coughs> Something I can do and not starve. You know, uh, Pat's got to eat, and I don't want to sell off Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat to do that. Um, but I am writing something, and this is, I guess I announced it. I'll announce it now. Um, I've been working, uh, Ian's worked on it too, uh, for two years. Um, it's going to be an NES guidebook, uh, a review book of all the games released in North America from 1985 to 1995, all the uh, unlicensed and licensed games. Uh, think Leonard Maltin's uh, film guide, but for NES games, but beefed up to a larger extent. And with a lot, with and with actually you know, <coughs> personal anecdotes and more history behind the reviews, and so it's going to be um, coming out hopefully in the fall. It's going to be full color. It'll be a, a book, hardcover, um, and um, it, self-publishing isn't isn't uh, cheap. So it, it won't be it won't be cheaper than any AAA game on an Xbox One or PS4. But for the hardcore uh, video game fan and NES uh, fan, it, it'll be out there. You'll have information every NES game. You're going to have everything there for you to flip through. It'll probably be four to five hundred pages. It's not going to be small. So that's what's coming out in your future. And then after that, of course, you'll have Pat the NES Punk Volume Five on DVD. And then probably my hair will fall out totally by then, uh, by that point, due to the stress and the fact that I haven't taken a vacation probably in like a real vacation probably six years. <laughs> so there's definitely going to be vacations next year for me if I can make it through. Uh, this and plus, also, you know, you're gonna have the NES marathon coming back in the fall, probably in some capacity, God willing, and that'll be fun. And, and maybe we'll do it for a different uh, charity this year. We'll see what happens with that. And maybe, and maybe you'll have some corporate involvement. I don't know. Too early to say with that. Um, so, in terms of long-term goals, I probably will always write in some capacity after this NES book. Uh, I might do. I don't want to say a biography. It'd be, it'd be interesting to have someone write a book, though, about YouTube life and some of the characters. Not saying it'll be like a, a wrestling book or a shoot interview. I don't want to alienate myself too much from everyone else on, on the line. But you can it'll fictionalize be it. You can fictionalize it? Sure. <laughs> it's it's not... Just uh, pull from reality, but fictionalize it. It's not JonTron, it's JanTran. I'll just change the wording a little bit. People won't get it. Um, Jambon. Right. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much it for this very economical... See you podcast. You didn't want to be out early. We're out early, damn it. I'm going to go take NyQuil and fucking... Get your Z's. NyQuil will help you get your Z's. (laughs) We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. 
We're on the punkeffect.com. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash pixelsickle. And with that, you can watch all the video content you want from the podcast, all the coughing, all me wiping my, my nose sweat off. It's fun times for everyone. And remember, uh, if you want to support us on Loot Crate, it's lootcrate.com slash podcast. And then if you want to sign up, it is uh, using code Frank, and I'll save you a bit on your subscription. And this is our 49th episode, I think, officially, if you don't count uh, a couple of ones, like um, counting the, the Pat cast I did by myself, but if you don't count the live one we just did, that was 48.5. So we might be live with the 50th episode, 50th episode in a couple weeks, the post-Comic-Con edition. Um, we might have new technology, we might have a new look. That'll be interesting if we can get it all figured out. Um, that'll be cool. Um, so, with that said, uh, for Ian Ferguson... Bye. I, I, I am Pat Contry. We'll see you later. Hopefully, I'll, I might see you at Comic Con.